Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. And once again, we are talking with author and speaker George Carneal, talking about his testimony coming from queer to Christ. And specifically, I would love to kind of dig in a little bit with you into how we can practically use this, because we're talking about what the liberal church has done, uh, you know, those, you know, church, I don't like to even consider them because I don't believe they're brothers in Christ, because as you said, uh, I'll quote the Leonard Ravenhill, they're basically giving someone a pill to help them get to hell quicker. And mm-hmm. I would love also for you to practically help us in, in how we would share the gospel, even if we're on the streets, maybe your coworker, maybe a cousin, maybe a friend that has come out and says, hey, I'm a, I'm a homosexual and this is who I am. This is what I identify as. What are some of the ways that we can be a lot less, not a lot less Westboro Baptist, but also never, you know, go alongside, you know, what the liberals would say and go away from the truth of God's word in a loving way. First of all, when I would go to the gay prides and when I was in the life, the thing that would burn me up would be the the Christians who would stand on the corners with their bullhorns saying, turn or burn, you're going to hell, God hates fags. You people can stay home. You're not doing any good. In fact, you're making their hearts more hardened to the truth of God's word, and you're making them resentful and bitter towards Christians. For the Christians who have the true heart of Christ, This is how you can reach them. Go down there. I'm telling you, most of these LGBT individuals are hurting. They're broken. They've been abandoned. They've been rejected by their own family, their peers, and they're going through a lot of turmoil. They're trying to figure things out. Where the LGBT community has it right and the Christian community has failed is that the LGBT community will take all of the freaks, the outcasts, the geeks, the losers. They embrace those who are looking for a home. Whereas if the Christian community would embrace them, not their sin, but embrace them as human beings, as someone that Jesus died for, and help direct them and steer them on the right path, you would see a change in their lives. But if you go to these gay pride parades, take a small tract that just shares about the love of Christ. Take some bottles of water. It's usually always hot at those events. And if nothing else, wear a shirt that maybe say, may I pray for you, or God loves you. Anything to open that door, and if nothing else, just say, look, we're from this church. Here's a, a, a tract about our church and our beliefs. Know that we love you. We would love to have you come to our church. Here's a bottle of water. We know it's hot out here. May I give you a hug? And do you mind if I pray for you? You will find most of these individuals will melt. They will at least let you pray for them, or if nothing else, they'll take the water. But you've had an opportunity to plant a seed and to undo the damage of so many of the hateful, mean-spirited Christians who are out there. Many of them may reject it. They may want to argue with you. Don't. Just simply tell them, look, we don't want you to die and go to hell. We do truly love you and care about you. We will always speak the truth of God's word, but we will also condemn the sin of heterosexuals as well. So you won't think that we are unjustly picking on homosexuals. We want you to come to our church and know that you have a safe place place to hear God's word We have and get them into Bible studies. 
and just pray for them, love on them and hug them. You'll see a lot of these people melt because a lot of them have come out of Christian homes, but they're so badly damaged from the mean spirited Christians. You know, I, I'd also like to know, like you've obviously spoken with a lot of pastors. I, I think now since you've you know been more of an author and speaker regarding this issue, and what are what are some of the I guess the blockades that are, are keeping some pastors from being able to reach uh, their LGBT you know neighbors? Uh, to be blunt, laziness. They don't want to sit and talk to people like me and those of us who've come out of that life. They don't want to try and arm themselves with information. Thank God there are so many pastors and even media personalities that I've been able to come in contact with who truly want to understand the issue. And they've graciously allowed me to speak on their shows or in the churches or at conferences to just simply enlighten people on this issue. I know the media portrays the LGBT mob as, oh, they're going to come and get you. But I've never had any real problems at any of the places that I've spoken with. And even pastors who've had me back or they've contacted me and said they really enjoyed it. I have been very disgusted with the pastors that have told me and other LGBT individuals who contact me that, oh, we don't deal with that issue. You're on your own. We're not going to discuss it. I've had Christians tell me, we don't want you to come in because we're afraid that you're going to plant the seed. I need Christians to understand something. They are already being groomed. They are already being groomed in the public school system, in Hollywood, by the media, by the music industry, by their peers, with this agenda. In elementary schools, they are already being taught not only about homosexuality, but masturbation and anal and oral sex. I've seen the books. They have cartoon drawings of this, stuff that would be deemed pornography to to most of us, in which we'd probably get arrested. This is all under the guise of school materials. In the elementary school system, they are already being taught this information. There are some school systems who are teaching Satanism because they have a satanic coloring book. I have a PDF copy of it, so I know it exists. I think parents would be shocked and alarmed at what is going on in the public school systems. That's why I implore parents, if you can, to find a way to find someone that you and many other people could pay someone to teach your kids and homeschool them, especially if you have a large church. But, oh, I forgot what your question was, Chad. Um, Just speaking to pastors specifically, you know, oh, yeah. how, how we so could help, uh, how we help equip uh, maybe some pastors. So it's getting into the churches really um, to sound the alarm of what's really going on and what the agenda is about. And, giving a different narrative than what the media is saying. And again, if the pastors and Christians would just listen to stories like mine and so many of others who've come out of that life, we can give you the tips and the tools on how to lovingly just simply talk to them. I, my LGBT friends, what few still talk to me because I've lost about 90% of them. They will tell you, I've never been rude to them. I've never talked down to them. I don't, I'm not a holy roller. I will still call them. They know where I stand. They've read my book. I've tried to lovingly steer them toward Christ. They're not there yet, but I still call them and check on them. How's your, you know, congratulations on your new house and how's your job and uh, how's your family and how'd the surgery go? I mean, I take an active part in my gay friend, my LGBT friends' lives. It doesn't mean that I affirm their life. I'm not going to gay bars. I'm not going to gay parties. I don't do anything associated with that life. But how difficult is it to call someone and simply just be a decent human being and love them and check on them and just, and if nothing else, just say, I'm praying for you. I hope you'll come to church with me one day. God loves you. Jesus died for you. And just get in and get out. Don't make them resentful, but 
also let them know that I'm not just here because of an agenda. I truly do care about you. And that's how it really worked for me with the Christians in my life who took an active interest in my life. And I trusted them. I knew that they genuinely loved me and cared about me and they weren't always beating the dead horse, but they would, I think the Holy spirit would move. And, and uh, when they would talk to me, it would continue to keep that seed planted and watered. And it really just took the misery of that life and for God to work in my life for me to realize I can't fight this anymore. I have to surrender and, and, get away from this. So pastors, I encourage you to be bold because so many Christians and especially parents are struggling with this issue. And I hear from these parents and Chad, the sad thing is, is that when I ask these parents, do you have people in the church that you can talk to about this, that you can tell them what's going on with your child and they pray for your child and hands down, they will tell me, no, I don't trust Christians. How sad that our, our own community eats its own when there are so many people struggling. Yeah, I know. We are supposed to be the ones there for them, you know, when they're struggling with these issues. So I think it's really, really important for us to understand, uh, you know, to love on somebody who's struggling with this, you know, to love on somebody who's struggling with, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's sexual or through drugs. And I remember we did uh, a lot of different outreaches for those who were involved uh, in drugs and alcohol and so forth. And one of the things that we did is we went door to door handing out a track that was titled The Horrors of Heroin. And I remember going to a house and explaining to them what's going on in our city. And they say, oh, well, nobody I know does heroin. No, we don't, we don't know anything about that. And I said, we're from Simi Valley. Our town was literally just on Dr. Phil because of heroin, <laughs> because of the issue. And I do think one of the things that will happen for many churches that aren't prepared for this, or aren't prepared for these conversations, is that it's going to come right there in their front door. And they're mm-hmm. not going to be ready for it. They're not going to be prepared for that conversation. And I I find it, you know, pretty fascinating just thinking back to your testimony with your own father. Obviously, he wasn't prepared for that. And we were living in a different era completely, you know, in terms of our knowledge of it and so forth. But I want to ask you maybe some differences now, because obviously we have a lot more young people coming out. Like you said, uh, it's in the school systems. It's on their their favorite TV shows. This has been something that has been creeping in unnoticed in terms of your television, whether it was Ellen when she first came out and you were already watching it, where it was Will and Grace, uh, you know, and so forth. And oh, but they're really funny. And this one's more masculine and this one more feminine and, and so forth. And then now, you know, the, the new normal or whatever it may be over and over again, you see how that's worked kind of into the system, but maybe just some differences of how at your time where coming out was irregular, where now it kind of seems uh, more normative. And maybe if you think uh, why that is taking place nowadays. What really irks me is that if you'll notice the media and even the LGBT community, they don't really talk about AIDS anymore. But for the older gay men especially, they will get this. When we came out in the 80s and this gay cancer was hitting the, the community and we were watching our friends drop like flies. I know one guy who said that by the time he was 27, I think 50 plus friends of his had already died and he had stopped counting at that point. We know the horror of what that disease is and what many people and especially Christians who affirm this life and push people into it. The number of 18, 19, 20 year olds who are already diagnosed with HIV and they haven't been exposed to the horror of watching their friends die and what that disease does to the body. Mm -hmm. 
So we, the older gay men really have a different perspective on this and we understand the danger of that. And what so many people may not realize is that with, and yes, it's in the heterosexual community too, but the number of sexually transmitted diseases that are in the LGBT community and the anal and mouth cancers and so many other things, um, people are forgetting that every time they sleep with someone, you're playing Russian roulette with your life. And there's even a drag queen. Um, she came out, he, she came out and asked these parents, why on earth would you take your kids to a drag queen story hour or bring them to a drag show or to a gay pride parade? This is adult oriented material. It is filthy. It involves sex and drugs and other things that you don't want to expose your child to. And she actually said, what makes you bring your children and want to look up to us? So there are even fair-minded gays and lesbians and drag queens within the LGBT community who want the children left alone. They know what the life is like, and they want the children to be able to be kids and and not to be to have their minds destroyed by this agenda. It is an uh, it is so much more uh, depraved than I can go into. You know, sometimes I wished I had just written the triple X version uh, for the people to read. Maybe it's the Christians if they could have withstood reading it, at least when they got to the end of it, they would not only know how depraved that life is and no, not everybody does it. That's what the gay activists, gay rights activists will say to me. No, it's a generalization, but it's the norm, not the exception. But at least Christians would see that God really is patient and long suffering and he has not given, given up on those individuals. And if he can pull me out of that life, he can do it for them as well. I'm really put out with Christians who say, well, they're too far gone. No, as long as someone is still breathing, there's always hope for those individuals. And Christians need to realize we have the power in prayer and the enemy is going for the kids and we must stand up against this agenda and fight it. And I'm asking pastors and Christians, Christians demand that your pastors get people like me and so many others into the churches to warn these kids because they already get one narrative. Wouldn't you want somebody who's actually been in that life to give them a different version and a different narrative and say, look, if you decide to go into that life, this is the reality of what you can expect. The conversation needs to be had. We can no longer afford to put our heads in the sand. No, I, I couldn't agree more. We do the, the warning and in, in love of this horrible thing that they're really getting themselves into and I know you didn't go into the depths and the detail, but you did talk about your cocaine usage and so forth, trying to kill yourself with aspirin, you know, uh, reading some of those stories that broke my heart, a lot of the things that are going on. And that's one of the things Satan loves the counterfeit. I mean, so often, even it says, don't be drunk with wine, which causes dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit because people getting drunk, they have dissipation rather than being filled with the Holy Spirit, this, this counterfeit over and over again. And it breaks my heart to see that. And I love that that's what you're bringing out uh, for so many people to recognize what they're really signing up for. Because I think people are just don't realize how, as you said, dark and depraved it is. And the fact that as they are being affirmed by the woke church and so forth in that lifestyle, what they're really affirming them into. And the Bible's really clear that our sin separates us from our God. That's why they don't have this relationship, this vibrant relationship with the Lord, because they're deep in their sin. And that goes for the man who's cheating on his wife. That goes for the person that's getting drunk behind behind closed doors and so forth and looking at porn or whatever they're doing. That sin is separating them from their God. And I and I would love, I know we're, we're, we're kind of getting more closer to the wrap up here. 
I would love your best, uh, your best appeal. If you, if I was sitting here, you're talking to me, or you're sitting across from somebody who's a homosexual, or maybe a young person who's thinking about, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I'm having feelings of someone of the same sex as me, and so forth. And I'm thinking about going into that lifestyle. What would be your appeal to them, straight to their face? Hey, I, 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 you know, about them coming to Christ rather than going over into this lifestyle. The first thing I would say is to the transgender individual who's struggling with gender dysphoria. It's not something that I take lightly. I myself wanted to be a girl when I was a teenager, and I struggle with those feelings. I would never make light of that. I want you to know that if you will let God get a hold of you and and come to know Christ and give him a chance before you make such a life-altering decision— it will be the best decision you can make. If you think I'm lying, go to YouTube and type in transition regret. And I ask you to listen to every gay or every man and woman who went through that process and listen to the devastating results of what happened, the botched surgeries, the infections, and how you can't change your gender. It brought an onslaught of other problems. I know you may not be able to, may not want to hear that now, but this is not like a tattoo. This is, you know, once you remove your breast, your penis, your internal organs, this is a life-altering thing that you can't reverse. I'm imploring you to please be smart. Don't be emotional about this, but take this from a logical, reasonable, in a logical, reasonable way and truly listen to the testimonies of others who are warning because we don't want you to go through that pain and suffering. And to the transgender and to the gays and lesbians, what is it about that life? How much sex can you have? How much drugs and alcohol and partying and good times can you have? It doesn't fill the void. You're going to go out there every night and continue to try to fill something that can't be filled. You will never have peace and take it from someone who lost 25 years. And I wasted 25 years of my life that I can't get back. And I don't want any of you to have to figure it out the hard way. If you want to, I know you will come back to me and say you were right. I hear from LGBT individuals from all over the world, some who aren't even religious, but they will actually tell me you're not lying when you talk about the reality of that life. They may not be there yet with Jesus, but they understand that what I'm saying is the truth. And it's really trying to get Gays and lesbians, I want you to understand you'll never find peace in that life. And hell is real. I know a lot of pastors don't want to talk about it, but Jesus spoke about it, and so did God. And they talked about it way more than they spoke about heaven. There's nothing worth a 15, 30, 45-minute romp in the sack that is worth an eternity in hell. And I thank God that he spared my life long enough to get that revelation, to penetrate the cement that was my head, to finally wake up and realize I really was on a path of destruction. And since walking out of that life, I can tell you I'm a lot more at calm. I'm, I'm a lot more at peace with myself and a lot calmer. There's not all of this anxiety from being in that life, searching for people to fill a void that they'll never be able to fill. People will let you down and stab you in the back and turn on you. They will abandon you. They will leave you. And if you think I'm kidding, but I want to say God won't. God will be faithful to you, and he will never cheat on you or hurt you. But if you think I'm kidding, set up a fake account and go on to, and go into these LGBT uh, and even LGBT gay-friendly Christian chat rooms 
and post that you believe this is wrong in God's eyes and that you want to leave this and you're going to follow Christ and you watch how they respond. They're not going to send you a gift basket and some flowers and a thank you card for time served in the LGBT community. They're going to eat you alive and call you everything but a human being. The LGBT community is worse than the Christian community that you think hates you. At least with the Christians, if they have the heart of Christ, they may tell you something that hurts your feelings. But we're thinking of this from the eternal perspective. We don't want you to die and go to hell. That life is not worth it. But the LGBT activists will turn on you. Even I know LGBT people who aren't even Christian, who merely supported Trump and the LGBT community turned on them. You either follow their agenda and you have the same mindset or they will eat you alive and turn on you. That's why I'm telling you, you will never find real peace and a real sense of community and love like being in the heart of a Christian community who has the heart and the compassion of Christ in a church that speaks the truth of God's word and having a real relationship with God. Come to know Jesus today. I promise you, you won't regret it. If you have tried everything else, there's nothing that you have to lose by giving Jesus a chance. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that one. And it's interesting because I know you got involved, as you had already mentioned on here, in the occult and Hinduism and so forth. So you're someone who actually has, you know, kind of used your palate, your spiritual palate, and tried out different things. And those ones left you empty as well, correct? Yeah, that whole reincarnation thing, what a joke. I mean, even what—how— how is it that it's comforting to be told by people who are telling me, oh, you get to come back and do this life over and over and over and over until you get it right? And then they, you don't even have the knowledge of the past mistakes of that former life to not do them again. My life already sucked enough, and I wanted to kill myself. And they're telling me, oh, you get to come back and do this over again? I was ready to jump in front of a bus. When you look at Jesus, and it's like he did the work on the cross. I don't have to work to earn my salvation. He did all the work, and I get all of the the gifts, the love, the relationship, and the eternal uh, the the eternal reward of living with Christ in His heavenly home. Why would anybody follow those religions? And in the occult, all you do is you're casting spells and doing hexes and trying to manipulate people and events. But you open the onslaught of a whole uh, of demonic doorways that is just going to bring another huge set of problems into your life. And I paid a price for all of that. All of those lies, even the new age teachings, you know, you come back, you choose your parents and you're, you want to learn and be a better person. I'm tired of being a better person. I just want to die and go on home to be with Jesus. So I want to say, if y'all want to follow those religions, I'm not putting them down. For me, they did not work. And I was very open-minded because again, I did not want to be around Christians, but God was not going to have it. He showed me the truth. I I left those world religions and I started following Christ and I have no regrets. You know, and I, and I think, you know, what, what would be great too, because I remember sharing the gospel with multiple people and then some of them coming to Christ and so forth. And they say the same thing. He's like, I had this idea that I had built about Christians and what they're like, and and who they are and stuff. And I'm sure you obviously, coming out of that, had a view of what all Christians were like. And I'd love for you to maybe state that view, and then how that view has obviously changed. I thought they were narrow-minded, stupid, hateful, spiteful, no love, hypocrites. I thought the worst of them. And obviously, I had a few in my life who were the exception. But I really hated Christians. I, 
I just can't. I, I was so hurt by them. What saddens me is that if I had been around Christians who had the heart of Christ as a kid, who perhaps recognized something in me that needed to be discussed, and they gave me a safe place to just talk it out, perhaps it would have changed the course and the direction of my life. But sadly, it didn't. To me, all right, so God hated me. He hates fags. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of homosexuals, and he created AIDS to kill us. He wants nothing to do with you, and you're going to burn in hell. What hope did I have? That's why I went into this 25 years of just madness when all along the answer was right before me, but I didn't know it. But I am so grateful that God allowed me to go through it to have the compassion that I have for other LGBT individuals. And I simply just told God when I released the book, I was terrified of releasing it. But I just say, God, if you can get this into the hands of that LGBT individual in middle America who feels like an absolute piece of garbage, who's ready to kill themselves, I hope that they will read it and see that, wow, if God can do this for this individual, he can do it for me. And that goes for even women who've had abortions, who struggle with that guilt. God loves you. What's done is done. If you're truly remorseful, I don't care what your sin or your bondage is, Go simply go to Christ. Tell him, I am really sorry, and I repent of it. God will forgive you that he's that loving and that faithful. He will forgive you, and let's rebuild, and let's lift up, and let's move on, and let's start uh, fighting against the agendas that are just really trying to destroy this nation and silence Christians. I want the LGBT individuals to know you will have no better ally than Jesus Christ and those in the Christian community when they are telling you the truth of God's word is because they truly do love you, and I hope the Christians will give them that truth in love and have compassion and be patient with them. God will do the work. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that I do love, uh, not only reading your book, but also hearing you speak as well, is that you do not shy away specifically from hell and the reality of the eternal and the reality of what will happen after they go on from this life. And do you find that to be a very important talking point, even if it's difficult to talk about with somebody in, in the LGBTQ community? Uh, community? Um, well, they already hate me for everything else. So, you know, just go ahead and throw hell in the mix. You know, if you're going to hate me, yeah. let's just make it full on <laughs> hatred. But the way I look at it is this. I want them to know there are atheists who've had near-death experiences to hell. They will tell you about the reality of hell. And these are people who will tell you they were proud, hardcore atheists, and they thought Christians were stupid. They relied on God as a crutch, and they're weak people. But when you have them even come back and confirm the reality of hell and that they knew they were there because of their rejection of Christ, and they gave their life to Christ. They didn't give their life to Muhammad and Krishna and Buddha and all of the other Hindu gods. They gave their life to Christ. I will tell you, maybe a year and a half to two years ago, there was an instant one evening where God— I don't know how to describe it other than I felt God had removed his presence from my life. And the only way I can describe it, Chad, is that there was something so dark and frightening about God's presence being removed from you, from me, that I bawled my eyes out. And it took about three days for God to really restore that relationship. And it wasn't that I had done anything, but I believe God really allowed me to see if you decide you want to depart from me and to stray from me, and for, especially for those in hell, this is just a sample of what it's like to not have my presence in your life. I'm going to tell you, it is the most terrifying thing. That's why I will not shy away from talking about hell. That's that's great. I I, I really admire that. And I think it is really important uh, to actually have, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. Imagine you're out to dinner and you're sitting across from somebody and you see someone drop something into their drink as they're out at the restroom if you didn't do everything you could to dive over and stop that, then you're evil yourself. 
let alone when we add that to the eternal nature of it and recognizing what's going to take place after this life. I, I really do want to encourage everyone to share the gospel, to love those who are caught up in any sin and restore them with the spirit of gentleness and do so making sure that you not ourself, you yourself are not caught up in that. And then you'll, guess what, fulfill the law of Christ when you bear one another's burdens. And so, you know, I wanted to thank you so much, George, for sharing your heart, sharing also, you know, everything that the Lord has done in your life, how he's made you new. It's just been a wonderful story. So I wanted to thank you so much, George. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And praise God. And I want to thank you guys for joining us on the Good Fight Radio Show. Make sure you guys get this out, share it, subscribe to the channel, and be blessed. God bless you guys. May I say one more yes, thing? To yes, you? yes, yes. If they have more information or if people have questions or want to reach out, my website is georgecarneal.com, C-A-R-N-E-A-L. And on there, you'll see a link to my YouTube channel. You'll see a lot of media interviews and a lot of other information. So please subscribe, support the ministry. I would appreciate it. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, go subscribe. God bless you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.